Hey guys, here hey. we are back again to introduce you to part three. Here we are, part three of how you brought that. We just finished the script breakdowns if you're keeping score. If for some reason you have stumbled across this score. episode out of order, right. it's fine. You can, totally, you can totally just continue right where you are because we are going to stall to the beginning of our timeline odyssey of Aniana and what has gone on between Mariana and Anne over the course of some of their relationships. So we're going to start off in the year 16 in this part chapter three and what happens in the year 16 a lot of things most notably and namely Anne Lister grubbling another Anne Mariana's Anne that would be her sister and they'll come and so (laughs) buckle up but you should be inside so should we buckle (laughs) Uh, just fictionally buckle and get ready hold on to your your knickers your your braids your braids your petticoats yes your petticoats and get ready for a sapphic ride a true story sapphic ride of untold drama. We're the Belcombs. We have too many daughters <laughs> and not enough money. Too many daughters and too many lesbians. And there's only one, but that's one too many lesbians here around our home. <laughs> we, the Belcombs, are haunted by lesbians and we don't understand why. We're trying to wet our daughters <laughs> off before they, before they are tainted or foul. Um, Mama Belcombe, too late. Too late, Mama Belcombe. They, they all are quote-unquote tainted. All right, guys. So uh, we hope you enjoy the uh, first part, which is technically the third part of this ridiculous historical nightcap recap of episode 107. Coming at you right now. Enjoy. Bye. It's Gentleman Jack. Cue that fucking jaunty music. Nineteenth century groveling. 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 Good lord. Hey everyone, uh, we are back from our uh, gin commission. Hey, hey, hey. Still drunk. Uh, as you can see, we're <laughs> ready to go into phase two of uh, this historical nightcap that we've done the. Uh, Sally's, uh, we call them what? Sally's script. Mm-hmm. Look at how much gin he's Sally's had script already. Notes. Script notes with Sally. Mm. That's what we call the segment, and we just finished that, and now we're on to diary entries from so, Enlista. So we've had like a a little. Do you want to say a, a little tour mapped out? Essentially, there's a couple concepts I'm interested in discussing. One would be ideas that Anne fell in love with Mariana at first sight. I personally do not believe love at first sight is possible. I think infatuation, lust, soul connection, intrigue. But love, no. I think love must be worked at personally. Maybe you think you could just see a bitch and be like, I'm in love. Love at first sight. Like Anne with Miss Brown. But for me personally, no. That's something to chew on. I do have thoughts. I will hold on to these thoughts. Right. Okay. So that. The other thing was ideas that I've seen around that Anne Walker wasn't her most romantic relationship. And I suppose that's a matter of personal opinion and what one seems as romance. But again, the show me up! I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't there's mean a lot to shout left like that. to decode. So. No, there is, especially as it relates to Mariana, because when I was rereading Helena Whitbread's first book, I realized that towards the end there, when it comes to Mariana, like there's excerpts taken, but days, you know, there's like maybe a week or two or sometimes between the entries. And so while it, it may be completely irrelevant, if there was even one mention of Mariana and some shit she did, like I need to know what it is to better form what I'm thinking about this impression of Mariana. And so, I mean, that goes back to what I've said said since I don't even know about algorithms and things and just having the whole entire four million plus words decoded. Mm -hmm. And then because I'm extra nerdy, searchable. 
like yes. Grubble. Like Can I imagine? need to type in Grubble, and it's like, Candace, Control you have F <laughs> ninety. No, Candace, you have one hundred and seventy-five thousand yes. hits for the word Grubble. Yes. Like, is that reasonable? I feel like that's a reasonable amount of times to see Grubble without analysts to be Grubbling. It's what the gays deserve. It's what I deserve. It is research. It is like, what do I need to apply for a PhD to make this make sense for myself? I don't know, but it's what I want. But yeah. That's essentially what the diary entries will be. I think, personally, Mariana and Anne were toxic for a very long time. And I think that both of them settled in a way. And with, okay, this person's ashamed, but they love me. They want to have sex with me. And then a Mariana who kind of knows this and uses it to her advantage and, of course, cares about Anne Lister and loves Anne Lister. I just don't think that everyone has the same capabilities for love, selfless love, unyielding love, without requirements Right, Love. like strings attached, right? Right. We've already gotten some messages in from people who are relating to the Ann Walker episode and someone out there trying to change your natural jaunt. Hell to the knobby. Whether it's hairs or no hairs. Whether it's baggy braids or no goddamn braids. Like whatever the fuck you want to do is what you should be doing and not letting anyone influence what it is you feel you want to present like. Right. I think I mentioned before the gender mission from 1816, to 1826 generally which is where i think and it seems most historians agree and had a permanent alteration for sure for sure with how she was dealing with a number of things most especially and importantly as it relates to what we're talking about mariana lawton of sheshire so we're gonna i guess take a quick peek into some references that didn't get fully uh ex expanded upon uh in the episode where there was a little bit of a tete-a-tete -tete a little bit <laughs> a little bit and the uh the carriage ride where you know they decided to bring up old things and bring up a very large thermometer but uh um, very very large thermometer but two of which are uh locations which have some events of relevance uh wait what do you mean by particular. locations there were two locations that were brought up oh you mean scarborough and Blackstone, and Blackstone Edge. Edge. Yes. Technically, Blackstone <laughs> Edge happens before Scarborough. But yes, yes, those are the infamous two locations. So I, for one, am personally curious as to see what mm -hmm. uh, Edge takes where <laughs> while this was happening. I mean, chances are I'm still going to be Team Anne Lister here. Well, kind of by <laughs> default, we are Team Anne, period. But for sure, for sure, Team Anne Lister. Oh, man. I... What the... <laughs> Why is it every time we're about to record, your fucking Bronx grovels be calling? Y'all, this is the shit I be dealing with. Let me tell you. Terrence's grovel drama is, well, <laughs> it is. It's like one of those, hmm, I'd invite you along, but you don't know them. Bye. <laughs> oh, man, did I ever pay up on that bet? I've been beholden to. I can't even remember because we have accumulated so many recording hours and... I feel like I talked to you about this, but I was like, I have to say this because I lost the bet. But then I don't think I actually said it on the, on podcast, the podcast, but just on the Patreon. But then I haven't re-listened to all the things, so I can't be sure if I'm just going to be playing myself twice. But all right, all right. I made it even worse because in the last series of episodes, I mentioned my desire for the sword tattoo. As you well know, and I was already the loser of a bet where I was supposed to disclose another tattoo I have and I forgot about it outside of talking to the Patreon supporters. And um, I was reminded again after my last talk about 
go on fearlessly on my back and was like, oh, Candace, like I was being trolled. Why, why are you letting people think that all your tattoos are so poignant and perhaps even, I don't want to say violent, but, uh, you know, intense, intense, right. meaningful tattoos. And I will still say that what I'm about to disclose is a meaningful tattoo. It's meaningful to me. And that's, that's what, what matters. matters. Thank that's you. Right. Thank you. Ugh. But friends and listeners, I do have a tattoo that amongst my other ones is perhaps maybe less poignant to somebody, but I don't think so. And so if you guys are familiar with the Care Bears, some of you people who might be 80s or 90s babies are aware of the Care Bears. I really liked the Care Bears. My mom certainly thought they were wholesome when I was younger, so I watched it. And I feel like the tenets of loving and caring and kindness, they make sense. And if I had to name, I, this is what I said before, three shows that like helped frame or even four shows my ethics as a child, it was Care Bears. Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers, and Reading Rainbow. In terms of like, oh, my mom's like, you could watch that excessively because I see it's doing something useful to your brain versus other things. She's like, no, no, turn off, go outside. So it's that. Fast forward, what I'm trying to say is if you know what Care Bears have on their booty, <laughs> it's a heart. And so I have one too on mine. There you go. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> I've divulged. Friend listening, I hope you're fucking happy, motherfucker. I did it. I lost the bet. I've said it. And I am not ashamed of my Care Bear tattoo at all. So there. <laughs> you know how friends are. Yeah. <laughs> Trolling you. And you still have no tattoos, but we're going to be yeah. fixing that soon. Yeah. That's the goal. Get some ink. <laughs> some ink. All right. So we might as well get into the shits. And there will be totally some appearances, like I mentioned in the first half, I think, of stuff we've talked about before briefly or potentially extensively. We're just going to go to the timeline. The timeline of major events that I think really helped shape and lister. And also just as a point of pointing out things that I think were somewhat consistent within her relationship with Mariana and just like her in general herself. So as I mentioned in part one, 1816 is most notable for me because that is when Mariana's officially transitioning to married life with Charles and she was on her honeymoon <laughs> with Anne Lister and her sister Anne Belcombe in tow, which again, Brit British folks, just, just what think was about, happening? I mean, hmm. like, like this would be picturing. Yes, I'm, I'm here on my honeymoon with, mm -hmm. with my sister and, um, and my lover. <laughs> and and the groom. <laughs> that's yeah, that's wow, that's um that's audacious, you know? Um, Isn't it? It's it something. It almost speaks towards um like I guess you just going along with the motions of this marriage arrangement where it's not really about the sacrament but about all the the stuff you the get. traditions, the rituals, the expectations of stuff, I guess. Well, also, yeah, the stuff you get, totally. Right. Because like, everything was about property and wealth and what am I getting from you? What's this dowry look like, bitch? So it's like, oh, look, cake. I can have it and eat it. <laughs> All in front of Charles. Oh, my God. Well, as far as I'm aware, there weren't many opportunities for Anne and Mariana to cover Grubble. And in this time, Anne is actually flirting with other Anne. Anne Belcombe, Mariana's sister. And so there are some breaks in times in her writing, but we kind of covered this where we essentially have an entry from Anne Lister where she's talking about the woman equivalent of blue balls. And she's like, you know, we have been flirting. This is me paraphrasing, of course. But we've been flirting. We've been doing this. And you got me stressed, girl. Like, if you don't mean to be about it, about it. And by about it, I mean, go to Italy, girl. I don't even know. What are we doing? What are you doing? It's cruel. And then she writes the next night, like, got a very good kiss. 
Didn't have to work for it at all. Really? Just got it. And so that's, I feel like it's so ridiculous what she did with Anne Belcombe. Like, it is so ridiculously gay melodrama, queer melodrama. Like, what is this? You're making up to another girl while you're with your present, quote unquote, you're supposed to be committed to lover, girl, alleged wife, because that's what I'm going to use, alleged. But you out here flirting with another bitch? Um, it's not setting the stage automatically. Like the stage was set then right in the honeymoon that this was going to be an interesting journey for Anne and Mariana, because look at how we're starting. Look at how it's this is how Anne Lister is starting to deal with it right now. Where she's like, no, I'm totally fine with this, but actually I'm not. Actually, I'm not fine. And I'm going to start acting out in these messy ways. So to reference that um, situation with Anne Belcombe, where she's like, hey, girl. Let me tell you the truth. Uh, she has an entry from Friday, November 8th of 1816, where she writes in code, Anne and I lay awake last night till four in the morning. I let her into my pension for the ladies. Explained on the nature of my feelings towards her and hers towards me. Told her that she ought not deceive herself as to the nature of my sentiments and the strictness of my intentions towards her. I could feel the same in at least two more instances and named her sister, Eliza, as one. Saying that I did not dislike her in my heart, but rather admired her as a pretty girl. I asked Anne if she liked me the less for my candor, etc., etc. She said no, kissed me, and proved by her manner she did not. So she's not fully yet like, give me the, give me the thing. She's like, listen, girl, I could like other people. There's other interesting girls. <laughs> like, what? Sir? I, you know, that's, that's, that's a certain level of jaunt where to a bitch face, you're like, you know, there are other women with pretty petticoats who I could find myself inveigled with and have a conversation. Doesn't have to be you and Belcombe. And so the following entry that is more straight to the point is literally from the next day, Saturday, November 9th. And she writes, talking to Anne almost all the morning, telling her she should either be on or off, that she was acting very unfairly and ought either to make up her mind to let me have a kiss at once or change her manners altogether. I said she excited my feelings in a way that was very unjustifiable unless she meant to gratify them. And that really, that sort of thing made me far from well. I was very sick, languid and uncomfortable, not able to relish a thing. God, I'm in a depression. <laughs> okay. Oh, she's such a melodramatic bitch. I, okay. So this sounds like, not that Ooh, that's sharp. makes mm. any sense. Add but some fucking juice, Candace. Good luck. I've had, um, uh, Friends mm, mm-hmm. that have often expressed their, I mean, you know, desire to see things progress in the sense where they feel like everything's just, I mean, it's, it's very stagnant. I mean, it's very well and very good, but it's not, uh, there's not enough give. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I see, I see where you go with that. I see. So when I read a letter like this, it's like, you know, you, you, you do that thing where you just look at me and you smile the way you do, but you you know what I want and it but you don't seem to say one way or the other whether or not you also want mm-hmm. but you are Who con- do you right. want? it's like you're you're content and receiving all the oohs and woos. Right. But we the attention, right. the doting, but yes. where is the grubble now? Right. <laughs> I mean, well <laughs> Well, but that's exactly what she was getting to. And so the following not the following day, excuse me. So two days later on the eleventh of November and writes that Sunday, so that would be the night following Saturday. She has had a very good kiss last night and gave it to me with pleasure, not thinking it necessary to refuse me any longer. Well, I I, I know she gave it with pleasure. I do. I do, 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 do. It's like, oh, hey, Charles, having a good time? Uh, me too. <laughs> and it's also in this time in her journal that she talks about how she's always 
been into the girls and the girls always been into her. I won't read the whole entry, but for anyone who's interested, it's from Wednesday, November 13th, 1816. And at the end of that, she writes, I urged in my own defense the strength of natural feeling and instinct, for so I might call it, as I had always had the same turn from infancy, that it had been known to me, as it were, by inclination, that I had never varied and no effort on my part had been able to counteract it that the girls liked me and had always liked me, that I had never been refused by anyone, and that, without attempting to account for the thing, I hoped it might, under such circumstances, be excused. So I feel like uh, part truth, part lie, because mm, actually, no. Here, she's not lying. Because it's still early enough in the shit that who knows like if refusal could be a thing, but we know with Veer and Miss Brown and a few others where she was Pressed beyond belief to get Nequia to the petticoats, and it did not happen for poor Ann Lister. So it's nice to see the baby gay jaunt that's here. It's like, bitch, I I know women, they know me. I love the ladies, they love me. That's it. That's it. Those are the facts. Those are the rules. That's the thing. That's all you need to know. That's that's it, Miss Belcombe. How to try Ann Lister. I mean, I love it. And Ann Belcombe's basically like, I get it, you're totally gay, but am I like Grebbles <sighs> are so stressful. And ultimately, Ann pulls back from that because what usually happens is that she feels a bit of guilt. She thinks about Mariana. She she remembers Mariana. Mariana writes a letter because she probably has her spidey sense of like, <laughs> Anne's fucking around on me again. <laughs> that she's like, oh shit, maybe I should, maybe I need to stop. I need to not get into these scrapes. No, 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 no. I'm done. I'm done with this. And of course, the affair essentially that she has with Anne Belcombe fizzles out the moment Anne leaves Shibden to return back to her home after this honeymoon period has ended entirely. So they left Lawton Hall where they were and then Anne came with Ann Lister to Shibden, stayed there for a while, and then she left and went home. Mm-hmm. And in 1817, things start to get a little cray-cray with the ladies because that is the year that Charles finds out about the letter. And Lister out here talking that shit, uh, trolling Charles Lawton, and he got a hold of it and was like, oh, oh, I see, bitch. Oh, is this... <laughs> I feel like he went to a fucking witch doctor then and was like, I need the potion that keeps me alive longer than my wife's lover. Whatever it is, just keep me alive longer than my wife's lover. Because how ridiculous is that? That they spent 20 years wondering if this motherfucker was going to die and he lived an extra. <laughs> <laughs> extra how many after Ann Lister passed away? Like You just have to imagine the kind of note he would have picked up. Like yes. <laughs> and this is uh, evidently happened in January. So it's at the beginning of 1817 that it's like, oh, OK, these are the gay reindeer games. And I see where these ladies have been plotting and no more. The wool is no longer over my eyes. And as a result, Anne could no longer visit Lawton Hall, period, because that whole shit bridge burnt. And she could only go to the Belcombs, which, of course, is Mariana's family home to see Mariana or like do those things. And then also, of course, be very careful with the letters they were writing just in case he intercepted and found more stuff. So that makes the year very tough for Ann Lister. What I thought was interesting in this year is that in September on the 2nd, she actually somewhat hilariously goes to see the Walker girls, which would include our, our Ann Walker, much younger. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna read that entry. So what is of note also at the same strange coincidence of her going to see the Walkers at 
Cliff Hill is that this is also around the time that she writes in her diaries of her plan to always wear black. She's settling into the Mariana angst and this is sort of like her expressing in her diaries like this is what's gonna be goth <laughs> for the rest of my life. So the entry from Tuesday, September 2nd reads, spent the whole of the morning in vamping up a pair of old black chamois shoes and getting my things ready to go and drink tea at Cliff Hill. As soon as I was dressed, went to drink tea with Miss Walkers of Cliff Hill, went in black silk the first time to an evening visit. I have entered upon my plan of always wearing black. Ooh. I know. Like, can we just talk for a second, just one fucking second about how poetic this whole thing is, that the same night Ann Lister begins her almost 20-year commitment of wearing black due to Mariana and her fuck shit is also, also the same night that she meets her future wife, a young Miss, Miss Walker. So at the, wait. Literally, literally, this is some seriously Shakespearean meets like Tennessee Williams type of plot twist. And I love it. I mean, when I discovered that in the diaries, it just it's just one of those things where you're like, wow, wow. Like you can't write something like that. You can't write that type of coincidence of Anna's in the dofuls, rightfully so. And she's so in the dofuls about this fucking marriage. She's like, you know what? Colors, that's not me. That's not what I'm doing anymore. I'm going to wear black because I'm in mourning for this heterosexual situation that Mariana has forced onto herself and onto me by proxy. And I'm so fucking depressed about it. And that same day that she writes in her fucking diaries, she is going to be meeting and having a little social interaction with the woman who 20 years later essentially would become her wife and be the person to reverse to reverse the trend much like um the queen the queen of denmark said to Anne in the finale when she's like oh, how long have you been wearing black and Anne tells him she's like bitch but that's oh that's that's dramatic like you're you're clearly you are clearly a romantic because no one does that so i mean what god that's that's amazing there's also a lamenting entry about a week, two weeks, I guess, after she writes this. And it's on Saturday, September 13th, where she writes, The last time I slept in this room and in this bed, it was with Mariana in 1815, the summer of. Surely no one ever doted on another as I did then on her. I finally thought my love and happiness would last forever. Alas, how changed. She has married a blackguard for the sake of his money. We are debarred all intercourse. I am not always satisfied with her. I am often miserable and often wish to try and wean my heart from her and fix more propitiously. There seems little chance of our ever getting together, though I believe she loves me as yet exclusively. The misfortune is my confidence is not invulnerable. Oh, see, here's the thing. I feel like had the, the nature of their being a severed communication been on terms decided by Mariana and Anne that this would have been a cleaner break versus some man saying I forbid you to come and visit the state and to have correspondence so of course the natural thing to do is to go against what this man wants even though ultimately it could work out to be what's best but because he said it because he said it that's just extra reason to not pay attention to it right so and to be extra pissed off by it just in general because he said it annoying ass charles she's like yeah i shared this bed you know and you know i think on sometimes i have with her and you know they weren't all great they weren't and you know she wasn't changing her linens so it's the same (laughs) ass fucking linens too (laughs) literally like if they go the vapors right there just oh, drive man. into the you said no! you said no! you said they're not oh changing god the they had soap back then i damn it <laughs> look what you've done <sighs> accordingly oh god accordingly 
Um, we could do a, a fun little entry, which does give some insight into their relationship, especially as it would change and evolve over the years. And it's from Friday, December 12th of the same year. And Mariana is basically requesting a quickie from Ann Lister when they finally get to see each other. And so Ann Lister is a little bit nervous about it, but she obliges. So are you saying that this could be one of the earliest recordings of a lesbian quickie? Absolutely not. The earliest recording of a lesbian quickie is year one. But <laughs> those tablets got destroyed right, they, or they're hidden somewhere. I can't wait for those to get uncovered. Me too. Are there drawings? Sorry. No. <laughs> I'm just curious. So the entry reads, breakfasted at the Bellcombs. M's face bad. Worse than yesterday. And she had a bad night in spite of 65 drops of laudanum and did not get up until 12. However, a little before 11, she herself suggested our having a kiss. I thought it dangerous and would have declined the risk, but she persisted. And by the way, she persisted is also Mariana's feminist creed for Grebbles. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and it continues. And by way of excuse to bolt the door, sent me downstairs with some paper that she was going to the closed stool. The expedient answered and she tried to laugh me out of my nervousness. I took off my police and drawers, got into bed and had a very good kiss. She's showing all due inclination and in less than seven minutes, the door was unbolted and we were right again. So, seven minutes in heaven. Well. All right, ladies. I'm not mad at I'm, it. I'm, I'm not. I too Can't be. Can't be. I also found a fun mention of Covier, who of course was um, the scientist that Ann Lister was talking to and Walker about, and she's always super interested. And even for a while, what's her name? The one who's who's mean to Ann Walker. I was about to say Priestley, but the young one. Uh oh, Parkhill. Parkhill, yes. Parkhill even thought Covier was cool until Priestley got in her ear. She's like, "You, you silly Mister Monsieur Covier." But um, three's the crowd, right? <laughs> It's like, girl, then leave if three is a crowd. So there's a mention of him here while she's in New York hanging out with the Belcombs and Mariana. And it's from Tuesday, December 16th, York. And it reads, all of us at home this evening, I wanted to read to M, Nance, and Lou, her sisters, Covier's theory of the earth. But Miss Milne, having no pension for literature on such occasions, M thought I had better shut the book. And so I amused myself by getting Lou to write me down in pencil the Hebrew alphabet and asking questions about it. So that's just there. And being obsessed with her science, but am I... Every time I read that entry, I laugh to myself because I'd been like, Ann Walker would have been like, read the passage. Yep. Read the whole passage. I All of it. Want to hear Slowly. Every word, right? Okay. I want to hear and understand half everything. Speed. <laughs> <laughs> half speed. <laughs> and what I think is actually super kind of sad and bittersweet about this time period is that on December 18th of this year, on a Thursday, Anne is still very clearly optimistic about where her and Mariana are going to go in the next five to 10 years. And she out here cracking jokes. And it's like, oh, girl, if you only knew. If you only knew. And the entry reads, just starting from a middle point. As soon as we left the dining room, went upstairs into our own room, parentheses over Mrs. Belcombe's sitting room, and sat talking very cozily to Lou and M, Lawton, C, and one thing or other till eight o'clock. She, as well as Anne, strongly suspects that neither M nor I would much regret the loss of C, but that we look forward to the thing and, in the event of it, certainly mean to live together. Lou and I have joked about it several times, I asking if she thought I might hope to come into possession of M in ten years. A decade. Both Lou and Nance think I may say five years instead of ten, and half a decade is becoming quite a joke among us. On going down into the drawing room and speaking to M, found her very low and in tears. She wondered how I could leave her so long the last night and said she should be jealous of Lou. So this Ann Lister doing what she do where she talking to other sisters and Mariana is jealous when that happens. I mean, oftentimes with good reason, but you know. I, I want to understand 
where M is coming from, but M is married and there's a lot in now. So it's like she's married, but she's still like be faithful to me. Okay. She's to like, me. She said, do as I say, not as I do. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. No I one's just... perfect, Dan. No <laughs> one's perfect. Never said I was. <laughs> uh, especially as Mariana gets older and evolves. Like when I was doing my notes, you know what song came to me? What vintage classic? I'm a bitch. I I'm, a lover, no, I'm a no. child. I'm a mother. Okay. Not that. I'm, I'm a, a sinner. sinner. I'm a saint. I do not feel ashamed. I'm your hell. I'm your dream. I'm nothing in between. You know you wouldn't want it any other way. She like airdropped that I song. Am. I know, she airdropped it into my brain because I was singing I it and I was humming it in my brain and then it came out and I mm-hmm. was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Because yes. 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 Because she owns her shit and she's like, look, I never said I was perfect. I never said I was perfect. Okay, just doing the best I can. <sighs> All right, so now we're going to 1818. What I love about this year is Enlister's very clear obsession and thirst. Deep gay thirst over Miss Brown. We've talked about this with Miss Brown, how she talked a lot of shit, but still every day was like, oh, is Miss might Miss Brown walk down this path? I need to meet her down this path. I need to get a look at that face. I just need to try to be close to Miss Brown. Oh, she smells really nice. I just love Miss Brown. I think I'm in love. I'm, I, am I in love with Miss Brown? I think I'm, no, 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 no. She's not, she's too vulgar for me, but damn, is she hot. So this is essentially what Ann Lister goes on and on back and forth in her diaries with her snobbishness, but then also because she's really gay. Like, what's going to give first? Your snobbishness about her status or the fact that she a knockout and you are shook. Your brace are trembling every time you see a hoe, but you're like, oh, but she's vulgar. Like, is she even like smart? But oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Look at her. So yeah, some of these entries are ridiculous. I guess it's appropriate to start in February because, well, it's to the beginning of the year and and still has some of that false optimism that will very quickly dissipate. Oh, what so, are you asking? So, so oh. what if... if uh... So what if M is a little married? It's still good. It's still good. I don't know if you saw that uh, thing with the Simpsons where it's like this pig that was like uh, Lisa's on this uh, vegetarian kick. So she pushes this pig and it like slides downhill and like it gets covered in like mud or whatever. And like it keeps different things keep happening to the pig. And all of a sudden gets shot out of this thing. He's like, oh, it's a little airborne. It's still good. And it's like, it's gone. (laughs) It's gone, dad. It's gone. He's like, "I, I, I know. So Helena Whitbread writes in her book, Secret Diaries of the Miss Ann Lister, that on February 12th, 1818, Anne confided the following thoughts into her journal. Lay in bed thinking and building castles about Isabella, as in fact I did last Saturday. How fond she would be, what sort of kisses she would give, whether Miss Valance would find us out. <laughs> so Tib's interest. I'm wondering if building castles is the precursor to incurring... When she talk about she's laying in bed and she's uh, thinking and building castles, <laughs> we can't be sure what Helena Whitbread omitted from this. So I'm, I I would have to decode that page and be like, is, it, is there a cross up there? Uh, I'm sure. Mm-hmm, I'm, I'm sure, sure too. I'm sure too. Because uh, if you're wondering what kind of kisses might be had, girl, that sounds like fantasizing. Uh-huh. That sounds like fond thoughts, but also combined with fan fiction in your brain. That and also I'm not sounds opposed. like that's intense focus. That and is- that's a lot of focus. She's like, well, what kind of jaunt can Tib bring to the bedroom? You know, I mean, I've been hard on her, but Tib does have skills. And I wouldn't, I would not doubt that Tib had skills. This, this is 
I'm I'm so curious now. I can't wait to see like <laughs> what the madness of the original Lord. text looks like. Where it's like, hmm. so let's just take a quick pick in to end super gay fretting about Miss Brown. And this entry is from April 29th of 1818, and she's fretting like ridiculously over what Miss Brown might think of her. And in part of her entry, she writes, I wonder what she thinks of me. My attention to her is certainly sufficiently marked to attract her notice. Is she flattered? I think she is. I have thought of her all the way home, of writing to her anonymously and, as she said when I asked her if she liked Lord Byron's poetry, yes, perhaps too well, hmm. of sending her a Cornelian heart with a copy of his lines on the subject. I could soon be in love with the girl. <laughs> uh, girl, I uh. think you there, but it's called lust, infatuation. And it only takes about two weeks from that point where Anne is writing about, oh, I wonder, does she like me, Miss Brown? What's going on? Two weeks later, she's referring to her as her Kalista. And it's spelled in the journals with a K, K-A-L-L-I-S-T-A. But it's a reference to, I'm sure you might imagine, Kalisto from the Greek yes. meaning the most beautiful. Me likey. I'm sure Miss Brown would have likey too if she knew. The footnote in Helena Whitbread's book for this mention of Miss Brown as Kalista, says Kalista, or Kalista with a C, derives from Kalista from the Greek, meaning most beautiful. Anna Clark, in her article entitled Ann Lister's Construction of Lesbian Identity from the Journal of History of Sexuality, Volume 7, Number 1, from July 1996, pages 41 through 50, relates Anne's choice of this name to the myth retold by Ovid of the nymph Kalisto, beloved of Diana, chaste leader of the hunt, who rejected male company. When Kalisto rests while hunting, Jove comes upon her and in order to seduce her, disguises himself as Diana. When Callisto becomes pregnant, Diana turns her into a bear in disgust and anger at her portrayal. If Miss Brown was Callisto, who did Anne see herself as? Jove or Diana? Or one in the disguise of the other? As Jove, Anne could inflame her fantasies of, quote, taking lower-class young women in a masculine disguise. And as Diana, Anne could imagine a camaraderie of free, virginal young women hunting and loving in the forest and identify with her rage when Jove raped Callisto, just as she resented the marriages of the young women she admired. I'm personally, I'm going to vote that uh, Anne did not see herself as someone who would be raged, enraged that the object of her affection got raped. <laughs> and one You're saying the, she wouldn't be enraged or she no, would that, be? That, I want to say that the way that she would have set the fantasy up in her head was like, oh, you get to be this figure and then I'll be this figure and then you're going to get raped. And, like, oh. <laughs> like, I see what you're saying. I guess they're trying to say, did she, does like her angst align with the women that get married? But at this point in time, women is really just Mariana. There would be more women, and certainly Miss Brown becomes one of those women that she's very interested in, and then later on gets married to a man. But yeah, no, that's an, that's an interesting point. <laughs> right, because, funny. I mean, it's one thing to be like, I wish nothing but the, <laughs> the best, best for you, you both. both. But then to say, I hope that you get, you know, accosted by a man and impregnated, like, that's, that's, I don't know. I don't see her with that kind of John against... Someone she's objectified in the sense of her mm -hmm, head. Mm -hmm. Like, why give that role to someone that's not Anne her? seems to be best at objectifying but... bad women or women that she believes are ultimately beneath her, which says a whole lot about her kinks, her class issues, her snobbery and stuff. Yeah. And then the lore of consent with Anne Lister again. So that's me saying that I don't want to see her put herself in the position of the rapist either. 
because it's like, oh, I tricked you. I tricked you. You know what I'm curious about? And there is another entry that I will reference that has more to do with this idea of like taking lower class women. I have to assume that, you know, it's her exploring fantasies, ideas of ways you can go to Italy. But because of her pride and her dignity, as is so often referenced in the show and in the diaries of this sense of propriety and politeness that a woman like her, a gentry, like she could never see herself in a certain type of aggressive way, even if it's not sexual assault aggressive, but just a way that you can be aggressive in the bedroom. And she sees that in her mind is that, you know, that's for the lower class. That's what lower class people do. Lower class people fucking the hay all of a sudden. You know, civilized people just, you know, we go into the bedroom, we make up to each other for a very long time and there's a whole process. So I don't know if that's accurate, but I've wondered about that myself because there seems to be a clear line in from what I've read of her fantasies for a person like Avira Hobart versus someone who she's just like, oh, that's a French girl and she's below me or she's new money, essentially. And so I don't know, but I think that's I think that's interesting. I think perceptions of behavior that you can have in a different class. So if you're poor, if you're lower class, hey, vulgarities for you. And then maybe you can just see yourself saying, get over here, girl. Yeah, let's, let's grovel right now. <laughs> Let me rip this petticoat. But she's into it. I, I believe strongly that Ann Lister would prefer for the bad woman to be like, oh, yes, Miss Lister. Oh, oh, like yeah. Mrs. Marlowe in the flashback. Oh, oh. Miss Lister. Yes, tear my <laughs> cheapest fuck out. It didn't morph shit anyway. You could tear that. And that probably excites her because there's so much fucking propriety that I don't think she got to flex in the way that one should as a young teen queer who's like, I don't know, like, let me see about these, all these types of women. Let me not slut shame. Let me not judge. Let me have conversations and see what this is about. And so we actually get a peek into the haters of Halifax and things said about her parents, which of course is a recurring theme for her in her whole entire life and certainly with her and Mariana. And this entry is from Sunday, June 28th, where she writes, the people generally remark as I pass along how much I am like a man. I think they did it more than usual this evening. At the top of Connery Lane, as I went, three men said as usual, that's a man. And one, quote, does your cock stand? I know not how it is, but I feel low this evening. I don't think quite so much of Miss Brown, but still too much. I wish I could get her out of my head. So poor Anne, because that shit's annoying. But then again, oh. if a guy was like, does your cock stand? I'm like, higher than yours, bitch. Thank you. Bitch. I mean, when you're looking for the energy, it's best I'm just, just saying, I have problems, though. We, we both know I have problems, so... <laughs> I'd have, I'd have been in the gallows, like I said. They'd have got my ass real quick. Moving on from the haters of Halifax. So what are we, like, a month and a half removed from all of her waxing poetic about Miss Brown? And on July 26th, she is being a bit of a trademark analyster by talking some shit. Among the things she writes includes, Miss Brown said so much to me about calling and how happy her mother would be to see me that I told her at once, by way of excuse, I should have great pleasure in doing so, but that my uncle and aunt visited so little, we never made any new acquaintances. She still said... But you might call, and I heard her mutter something about, I should not trouble your uncle so much, end quote. Immediately begged she would not think of such a thing as troubling my uncle, but that he was elderly. Oh, said she, I can enter into your feeling. Tis well, thought I, and added, I have not said I will never call. Never is a long time. <laughs> we then proceeded to chit-chat, rejoiced she was better for warm bathing, complimented her on looking better. She had a lovely color, was clad in robes of virgin white, and looked altogether beautiful. But soon after I got home, beyond the pale of beauty's fascination, the words, quote, 
I won't trouble your uncle much. And the manner of them occurred to me and gave rise to the question, is she good-tempered? Is it not to be expected that she should know much of this world? If she had, she would have said less about my calling, assured that I would call if I choose. Besides, she would recollect it as my place to offer the thing, not hers to ask it. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, she wildin'. That's what says, she wildin'. And when I joke to myself, I'm like, girl, that's why I get a grubble. You out here oscillating with your snobby ass. <laughs> She's like, you know, I really like this girl. She's super attractive and stuff. But honestly, did she just ask me to visit her? Did she Did she ask? Did she ask for the visit? This fucking, I tell you, these new money girls. <laughs> so many girls, they have no sense of propriety, no home training. Who raised you, Miss Brown? And then, ridiculously, on Monday, next day, July 27, she gets a letter from Tib. And she starts, uh, she starts doing what she does, where she's like, could it work with Tib? Could it maybe work with Tib? Because she's feeling shitty about Mariana. And this, you know, this Charles thing is still pretty fresh. So it's not, it's in one of the worst times it, it can be for the two of them in communication and seeing each other. And she writes, my letter of today is certainly more affectionate than I have written her of long, referring to Tib. I have always loved her in spite of all. And now that circumstances have so far alienated me from M, Isabella's fondness, fortune, and connections, if her temper be grown rather more tractable, will make me happy. I almost begin to feel that we shall get together at last. Uh-oh. Do you think it's almost time for someone's spidey sense Fake to news. be? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yes. <laughs> this is, I mean, it seems like every time there's a... A hint that, you know, there's someone to be, uh, Lord, I'm not doing the 80s song, but it seems like every single time our analyster is, quote unquote, tempted by the fruit of another. I mean, oh, here, here comes yeah. M. Here comes M. Like, oh, um, uh, that's I, one of M's superpowers. <laughs> she like, wait up, wait up, wait up. Somebody about to get near queer. <laughs> Hell nah, bitch. Let me write a letter. And actually, <laughs> This is M still on her bullshit because, like I said, she was stuck with Charles. She was dying a little bit every day. Poor girl was not in the mood to be just like, oh, yeah, let me be optimistic about the future. I just don't think she had it in her at that point. And that seems a little bit confirmed because M gets a letter from M on August 31st. And she writes, letter from M. Her letter breathes little of affection. And indeed, I do not estimate her feelings towards me very highly. She has not. She never had the heart that Isabella has. I suppose she is more comfortable now than formerly with C. She has her carriage and the luxuries of life and thinks proportionately less of me. Mrs. Featherstone said, give her these things and these are all she wants. M's conduct to me has certainly been a strange mixture of weakness, selfishness, and worldly mindedness. Consider her conduct on our first acquaintance before her marriage, about her marriage, and ever since. An unfaithful friend, Isabella, a weak and wavering companion to me. On calm and mature reflection, I neither much admire her nor much esteem her character. But she is specious, very specious, with much female vanity. I do not accuse her of premeditated deceit because perhaps she deceives herself as much as anyone else. She always seemed religious and talked piously. She believed herself, or seemed to believe herself, over head and ears in love, yet she sold her person to another for a carriage and a jointure. Still keeping her intercourse with the one she loved and was seriously desirous of executing the prostituting of herself in disguise to any man who could make up the deficiencies and get her with child for the sake of fixing her importance by being the mother of an heir to Lawton. I know the scheme was originally my own proposing, but she persisted in it till I utterly disclaimed it, shocked as I said, at the serious idea of such a thing, wherewith her morality. But I have acted very foolishly and wickedly. Oh, that I may repent and turn me from my sin. Lord, forgive me and help me. Where with 
her morality. I knew you were going to cling to that step. <laughs> I knew if there was a statement you were clinging to, it no, was no, that no. one. But not even that. It's like, look, I know this is my idea, but I'm saying I, abort. I'm saying abort, and I don't want this idea no more. And you're over here like, I know I'm going to be steadfast because this will secure my uh, inheritance, essentially. Because if I produce this heir mm -hmm. and my husband dies... And my what I've reared will be um the one in charge of the estate. Right. He's not gonna throw his mother out. So like that was that would have been like her 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 bag. She was trying to secure. No, that was the bag for bag. women right. because you don't matter. You can't inherit property. That was a consistent issue in Europe for a real long time. And so there was no fix. It didn't matter how much history you came from and how much whatever. I think we mentioned that was a thing with Vita in Virginia. She was from a very old line. And she was very connected to the property, but lamented the fact that the property was not hers, that she would have to marry a man and then go into his bullshit, but she would not be able to hold on to her ancestral home. That was very important to her. And so that's the thing. That's the fucked up thing, man, running around doing the, the wild shit, which is why, you know... <laughs> Lady True has nothing to do with this show, but I swear, if a bitch wanted to take over the world with Lady True's plan, I'm there! I'm there. That's all I'm saying. So, yeah, that's a very intense entry where you can just see that she is like, look, I'm upset. I feel like we're not even connected, and now you send me this letter, and this is... What is this? What is this? Especially when they don't have communication, everything matters. Every word matters. So if you yep. out here being passive aggressive or not direct with your feelings or just like oh it's whatever like that's gonna hurt and Ann Lister makes it very clear in her entry how much it hurts and she's back to there and she's still fantasizing about Tib maybe Tib maybe Tib and I Tib and we know the minute she get to Tib it takes a day if that two hours where she's like Tib and I can never we can <laughs> we can never be together but in this moment when she's alone and isolated and lonely it's suddenly a possibility oh slim pickings I feel like ugh I'll just wait and see how this develops. I'll wait. Yes. So she's still feening over Miss Brown, though, at the very same time that she's lamenting about Mariana. And on September the 6th, which is a Sunday, she writes, went to Pine Nest for nothing in the world but to see Miss Brown. I wonder what she thinks of me and what she thought of me tonight. Surely female vanity cannot seriously be offended at my so particular attention. As soon as I got home, I asked my aunt seriously about calling on the girl and declared I would joke no more about her, for that I really liked her in good earnest. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, girl, we know about your fantasies. You know, I, I would compare this to like, um, I wouldn't say a favorite waitress at a coffee shop, even though you're not really drinking coffee on that side of town. But maybe like that uh, vain Instagram follow where you're just really just looking at all the photos and you can't really heart them because you don't want the attention. Right. You like the fact that you can look. So, hmm. And I'm not even convinced that just because she didn't get to a grubble with Miss Brown, that Miss Brown wasn't on the spectrum, interested in a grubble. I just think that women are different and different approaches work more effectively than other. And like, what is the chemistry? And I personally think that had Anne persisted perhaps a little while longer with a little bit of a different sort of um, methodology, for lack of a better word, she might have been successful, Miss Brown, because I don't think I think there's a certain amount of interest that maybe is too much interest. Do you know for you to just write it off as hetero person looking to be flattered which is what it felt like it was veering into the lane with Vera Hobart but with Miss Brown she says things as recorded by Ann Lester you're like I don't know she feels queer she just feels like she's on that um I don't want to say seesaw but a balance beam of some but, sort it's right. very precarious like very she, precarious which way it could go like she's just a head turner in general like she's turning mm -hmm. all the heads she so, turned all the heads yeah I wouldn't even imagine that Ann Lister was the only queer person that was like damn Miss Brown right Woo! Oh, Miss Brown! <laughs> we was just praying, baby. We was just praying. <laughs> oh, my God. 
I'm just going to say uh, that I knew a lot of Catholic school kids who did a lot of non-Catholic school uh-huh, things uh-huh. No, yeah. on yeah. the premises for Jesus. So whatever. I'm just, I, no, let me not. Let's just, let's keep it moving. <laughs> Woo! I'm just going to say some people have it on their bucket list to do a horizontal jaunt or vertical, depending. Maybe, in, maybe close to it, an altar. Maybe. <laughs> Are you look at you about to choke? You tell it on your damn self. You tell it on your damn self. All right. So there's sort of an example of this, I think, in an entry she writes on September 8th. I'm going to jump around a little bit, but read the parts that relate to Miss Brown. And so she writes, this meeting with Miss Brown seems to have stimulated and roused me altogether. I cannot live happily without female company, without someone to interest me. Girl, you have said nothing but a word. She said a word, a true word. Confirmation. I mean, there was already (laughs) confirmation. I I thought I was gay. I knew I was gay, but I was like, am I really gay? Am I super gay? And I just decided, yeah, I'm, yeah, Yeah. I'm I'm Mm -hmm. super, I'm all the way. Right? Miss Brown? No, I know. I am convinced. (laughs) She is convinced. She has sold me. I am caught out there. Mm -hmm. And later on the entry, she writes, my whole strain of conversation was complimentary and calculated to impress her with the idea how much I was interested about her desired her to bring her heart safe back from Chesterfield and Sheffield that I thought it was a heart worth having and begged her not to throw it away. She seemed much pleased at my telling her she must walk with me some afternoon and drink tea at Shibden. Just before we parted, I asked if she believed all I said. The poor girl said no. I begged her, at any rate, to be persuaded that I myself believed it, as she would not hesitate to allow if she knew how little given to flattery my conversation was to people in general. She modestly said, well, I must understand you, looked modest and seemed rather at a loss. If I mistake not, she is more than flattered. What girl under such circumstances would not be flattered and more interested than she might possibly be aware? I shook hands with her cordially. She modestly walked up to the house without once looking aside. So there's a lot of entries like this. Anyone who's gone over... Helen Whitbread's book or Andrews themselves knows that it is a it is a deep and long road that she oscillates back and forth, but the entire time is beyond sprung. I sometimes wonder, like, and what if you did get that grubble from Miss Brown? Like, would you have combusted in oh, the bed? Okay. Would your brains have lit on fire? Because you were so fucking thirsty. I don't know that you could have actually handled it. Had Miss Brown finally been like, with arms wide open. Oh Lord. Like she that creed reference. Why the fuck did that jump out? Mm-mm. I mean, Mm-mm. she's I see how she's like this at this I love where she's putting Miss Brown. And I love that she's like, if only Miss Brown knew that I hate people. Mm-hmm. Like I hate people. And I'm over here paying all these compliments to her to like, I'm being so like she would Especially would be, people in Halifax, she's like, they are so boring and dreary and vulgar. They're horrible losers. I am really the most exciting thing in Halifax, but I'm talking to you, Boo, so that must mean you're really special. Don't you get it? She's like, Oh, I must understand you. <laughs> I must understand you, my sister. So that entry's funny because she's like, obviously I need a woman and obviously Miss Brown is into me. Cause how could she not be? How could she not? I love that Ann Lister confidence. And one of my favorite entries from this year is about a week later on Thursday, September 17th. And I think, you know, Ann kind of mentions a, a bad woman wanting to take her home. Oh. Oh, indeed. So that entry is kind of long. I'm not going to read the whole thing. It's at a time where she is in York and she's doing stuff. And a part in this entry reads, Left Ann a few minutes before 12 and James went with me to the Black Swan in Coney Street where he had secured me a place and the Whitby male. There were several bad women standing about the male. They would have it <laughs> they would have it I was a man, and one of them gave me a familiar knock on the left breast, and would have persisted in following me, but for James. <laughs> so some bad woman approached Ann Lester and was like, Oi, 
Oi, lava. <laughs> you got two shillings, lava. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, no, I don't even right. know if that's accurate. No, is that it? is right. Is I it? like it. Okay, thank you. I believe that shit. I believe a bad one was like, ooh, this one cute. Hey. <laughs> and I was like, how dare you? Full carotids. Also, my braids are a little disturbed, but I gotta go. James! James, help me. These bad women. Slow down, Jack. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so that's just a quick mention, but it tickled me. Just to imagine Ann Lister on the street and just some bad woman that, you know, people like her right. look down on being, just approaching her and being like, mm-hmm. I saw you looking at me. Right. Like, you could pretend like you weren't looking at me because, you know, you're classy and shit. But I saw you and just but let I, you know, I'm down. I'm down for whatever. If I, you have two shillings, my love. No. <laughs> I like what I, why do I keep saying two shillings? I'm sorry. What like, if she said a hey penny? I'm rude. Oh no. Yeah, women! <laughs> at least a shilling. Sorry. <laughs> okay. I like what's unwritten here because there's no I wonder if this is how Miss Brown feels when I talk to her. Like that those aren't it's not written, but I'm sure she thinks about it because it's like I was just a She has to think I pro- about it. I was things. propositioned by a woman. And I know how it's making me feel. <laughs> well, well. Well, I mean, but Anne then, feels herself above it. Like she, right. I think she honestly thinks that she hides any interest she has about sexual interest, that it's about like romance and flirting and charm and courtship that she probably thinks there's a degree of thirst that she hides. But I would contend it depends on the woman and how able she is actually successfully able to turn down the volume on the thirst to make it just look like, oh, yeah, I'm chill. I'm fine. I'm cool. I'm chill. Because part of me is like, what the, what you look like? Because you say all this about Miss Brown. I feel like there had to be an indication of pressedness on your face whether you liked it or not every time you saw that bitch and you were like cut my breath for a second because miss brown is walking down the street i mean she literally for months is like anything in the world will do anything in the world just to get a look at miss brown will show up on this path consistently for several weeks in a row because i just want to walk with her and talk with her and just i don't know see will anything happen will something happen does she like me i think she likes me i'm sure she likes me does she like me? She just goes back and forth and round and round and round and round. So after that bad woman mentioned, this is around, like I said, she's in New York and she also sees Tib for the first time in like three years. And this is of note because we know throughout the year she'd been writing here and there like, oh, Tib, oh, Tib, might it work out for me and Tib? Oh, Tib, I don't know. What kind of kisses might we share? I just, I don't know. And so she finally sees Tib. And as you might imagine, um, the romanticism around it just no. fades. Like it's like what you think in your mind versus what it is in reality don't always match up. No. Yeah. Do, can you guess around what time this is? Can you? Shall you? Uh, I'm, I'm hoping it's not the driest estate <laughs> like i'm hoping that's Woo! not where we are <laughs> well but we could be um, there we could we we might, we might i hate to break it to you but we are here we are <laughs> tries to stick. So here's what we have to imagine the comedy of Ann Lister's life because she is pressed actually to see Tib. She thinks it could be an optimist situation. She's definitely feeling Mariana is not going anywhere, which is why she's talking to Miss Brown and thinking about Tib as options. She sees Tib and she was probably like, yeah, girl, we about to get going. We going to Italy for real, for real. I've been thinking about this for months. I'm so excited to see what you can do. Have you learned anything new while we've been away from each other these past few years? And this is what she ends up writing on Saturday, September 19th. Tried for a kiss a considerable time last night, but Isabella was dry as a stick and I could not succeed. At least she had not one. (laughs) Yo, this is so petty. At least she had not one. And I felt very little indeed. She was very feverish, quite dry heat, and seemed quite annoyed and fidgeted herself exceedingly at our want of success. (laughs) Saying she had grown fit for nothing and asking what could be the matter with her. 
It was certainly odd, as she was by no means seemed to want passion. I carried the thing off as well as I could, that is to say very well, though I confess I felt surprised and disappointed. Went to sleep in about an hour, tried again just before getting up, and succeeded a little better, though far from well. So that's just, I don't know if you ever had a situation like that where you hyping up the sexual experience and then you get to it and you're like, oh shit, this some C-list right here. (laughs) Or have you ever had a person that talked a good game and then you get to the the game and you're like, this is... This is division three. Like I could have the worst of division. Right. Like I could have, I could have did this at home. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I could have fired up the old Dr. Manhattan 2000. No, (laughs) no. Great reference though. That gigantic thing she had on that show. Good Lord. So even though the next night had some slight improvements by third night, and was there, she was like, nah, I really don't think. I really don't think. I don't know what I was thinking, thinking it could work out with Tib, because it's definitely not going to work out with Tib. So Anne is hanging out with Tib until November 2nd when she leaves Langton Hall. And essentially, by the time the trip is over, she is annoyed with Tib. She's ready to be done hanging out with her. She no longer feels that they are viable partners for time or whatever, commitment. And there's that. And poor Tib, because Tib is... Tib... You spin my head around, baby, <laughs> right around like a goes like a record, baby. like a record player, baby. Yeah, like a record, right, baby. baby, going round, right round. Exactly. So it, what sucks here mostly is that you know Anis was hoping to get some sort of warmer correspondence with M has not been getting it. So it's mm-hmm. now searching So it's cold. Elsewhere. It's cold. Right. Right. She's searching somewhere for that affection, for that love. And then for, for, for Tip to not be the winner is just like, well, I still need to, I still need a place to, to <laughs> like, I still and need she's a snobby thing to as do. Shit, so she's always judging bitches. Yeah. You know, she doesn't want to be judged. She would hate to be judged. In fact, it puts her into the ghost race and the dolefuls to be judged by people, especially off superficial things. But she does the same thing to women all the time and just does not have, as far as I can tell, the most amount of self-awareness to be like, what you just said was was fucked up. By the same time, you would hate for someone to, to judge you like that. But I'm wondering if it's stuff that she's putting out there in the universe, like directly. Versus, what do you mean? Like, I'm wondering if these are things that she would think and write but not necessarily say. That's probably the majority of how she is, that she is thinking a heck of a lot and only saying about a third of it, if that, because she, her pride and her class issues keep her, which is why she not only writes in code about her interest in women, but when she's talking about money, when she's feeling some sort of thing like, oh, my clothes are whack and I have to mend this. I'm gonna put it in code because I'm so concerned about people knowing these things about me. This Her sense of importance while it doesn't seem to be tied to money because she has this incredible self-esteem and confidence that she's been able to rise since she was a, a, a jaunty baby queer. But at the same time, her self-esteem does depend quite a bit on material things and people's perception of the material things she has. Like, how is your is there a hole in your police? Like, what are you what are you able to spend on your trips? Where are you able to stay when you travel? All that stuff. But I guess being a gentry in that time in England, it was impossible to not become inveigled in this shit because how could you not? I mean, everyone was mean girls in Halifax. You know I mean, what I mean? Like well, they're yeah, talking the, the shit, right? But I mean, even if there was a, you know, subterfuge or secret queer scene, I mean, it's not unlike some of the queer scene in current times where it's like, who are you wearing? And so it's like, you know, I want to be seen and 
in those types of fabrics and gowns like the whole throwing shade which is in a sense a version of propriety but it's like with this just love like here's a something she writes on the 21st of september about isabella she's like isabella dotes on me and her constancy is admirable and her wish to oblige and please me overcomes every other yet her passions seem impotent without the strong excitement of grossness and her sentiments are far from being those i admire but so far she's improved in temper she has seen a great deal of vice abroad and heard a great deal of loose conversation her mind is not pure enough for me but time must tell the event of our connection and so i mean that's her being judgmental for sure for sure for sure but at the same time i'm like damn i want to hang out with tib but what the fuck was tib doing on her travels oh has she let vulgarity into her mind has she well you is know, her mind not pure she might have traveled with a sailor to whom may have had a sailor's I mouth i right. hope because while tib see i feel like potentially tib is in like fuck girl territory when she was traveling because she was still fucked up and caught up on Ann Lister but sometimes that's where you see the fuck boy slash fuck girl territory of like I'm gonna be messy because there's no future with you and I'm not interested in pretending there's a future I'm just interested in getting off and then I could see Tib living like that but when she's with Ann she's different I just refuse to believe that Tib did not grubble several ladies in her lifetime because what why when Aww. I can believe the opposite and what if Ann Lister wanted to hang out with the Tib the overseas version of Tib, but that wasn't the she Tib won. that was. And, she was but too that vulgar. Wasn't the tip, right, but that wasn't the Tib that 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 was. But she doesn't like that Tib. Anne doesn't like that Tib drinks, and surely that must connect to the fact that her mother was an alcoholic, and she did not like that. Yeah. So she doesn't like that Tib has vices. She doesn't like that Tib can be vulgar or use certain language. She doesn't like that Tib is not very feminine in her actions and how she presents herself, how she talks. So she's not. She's just like completely judging and upset that Tib and... is who she is. She's beat her fucking self. She's like, and... oh my god. <laughs> I mean. It's not for her. It's not no, her type. Right, right, it's right. very clearly her type. They gravitated loud. towards each other in a way that you would because they're both queer. And that's and of course you would expect even just a short-lived sexual relationship, especially at their age, experimenting, figuring yourself out. But then realizing I'm not actually into this. I was super happy to find another woman, another girl who wanted to get on the grubble and go to Italy. But in terms of long-term stuff or what I really find attractive in women for Ann Lister, it just wasn't Tibbs Scantron. Of bubbles Aww. that she selected. And I know. I say all for Tib because I feel sad for Tib. But, you know, I, well. So there's that. The last entry I'm going to highlight for this year is from December 23rd. And it made me laugh because I feel like it's bitchy and Lister. Being bitchy about Miss Brown, but still wanting a grubble desperately. So let's visit it. She wrote, set off on my usual walk up Royston Ridge, etc. Miss Brown joined me as I passed. From her quickness, she must have been on the watch. She looked very pretty, but I begin to think that, except her good looks and her character for amiability, she has little to boast, little to say for herself, and a stupidish companion. She seems innocent and unknowing as to the ways of the world, which we know Ann Lister loves. I wonder if I can ever or shall ever mold her to my purpose. Do you see what I mean? Do you see how in the same entry, she's like, this bitch is vulgar, she's stupidish, I don't even think she read a book. Okay, yeah, she's pretty, but... But she's pretty. She's really pretty. I wonder. I wonder. Can I move <laughs> to my ways? Oh, and Lista. So now we're moving on to motherfucking 1819. And it's the first time we see a mention of Ann Lister making it very plain to her uncle that she wants Shibden. She wants Shibden to be her shit and references Tib and Langton Hall for that purpose. And this entry is from January the 17th, 
of 1819. And it reads, sat downstairs talking to my uncle about making his will. I said I should wish to have all the estate here, ultimately. What? All? Said my uncle, smiling. Yes, all. Isabella will be left in the entail for all of Langton Estate. And if I had any power, I should hereafter leave all to one. So that's her turn her uncle like, hey, dude, um, you know my daddy can't run shit. Exactly. So what are we going to do? Officially on... Well, not officially, because there's still stuff, but it's the start of the official close on January 30th for Miss Brown, because, well, a dude shows interest and and clocks this, obviously, because she talks to Miss Brown all the time. And she has a brother, Miss Brown, who does not oppose a marriage to this other dude, William Kelly, who she does indeed eventually marry in 1820 but this is when this guy's name is coming up and that the family's into it and that Anne Lister's sort of like okay all right so I'm just gonna pull the fuck back I'm gonna pull all the way back because I see a dude's around here and so I I still think she could have grubbled with Miss Brown but you know right but she's yeah things went as they may and there's actually an interesting entry on February 18th of this year where Miss Brown kind of mentions that People have been talking shit about Anne Lister and her tendency to maybe befriend a woman and have a really intense friendship for a while. And then, hey, if a dude shows up, she go. Bye. I would be like a meteor through <laughs> through the sky. I was here. It was pretty. You liked it. But then I'm gone. Never to be seen again. So this part of the entry that sort of indicates that reads. As I was going out, met Miss Brown at the door. She said she had thought of me last night, but so much that it prevented her sleeping. Mm, girl, that don't. <laughs> That sound like you were incurring across <laughs> with your mind at the very least. And Ann Lister continues, and she must not think so much of me after going to bed in the future. <laughs> Miss Bessie Staveley asked her how she and I agreed together. Quote, why certainly we did not quarrel, said Miss Staveley. I know you are of a peaceable disposition, but Miss Lister is very whimsical and I expect soon to see you not speak to one another. <laughs> Yo, that is a bitch seeing the truth for what it is. And she's like, I don't know. Miss Lister whimsical as fuck. I've been in the town for a minute. Miss Lister likes to talk to the pretty lady. So I don't really know. Like, you didn't hear from me, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. If the bitch don't call on you soon, it's because uh, that's how she is. That's what she does. And here's Anne writing. I replied, I did not think that likely, but time would tell. <laughs> oh, my God. But the whole entry is very intriguing because she's basically trying to convince Miss Brown, as she's not like, like that, but she know. is like you that. Don't know. Right. She is. Listen to your heart. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What's also of note in this year is that in March 3rd, Anne starts to talk about wanting to travel. And just like this restlessness that we know is a major reoccurring theme in Ann Lister's life. And she makes an interesting statement about M and, well, the women in her life at the end of the century. I guess I could read the whole thing. Spent all the evening talking to my aunt about going to France, perhaps by myself in the autumn or with Tib in the spring of next year. My aunt is really good in giving in to all my wishes and says she will save money. No objection to my going by myself, but the fear of my being ill. May perhaps go with me herself. I calculate 40 pounds for our traveling expenses and 12 or 15 for three weeks in Paris. Talked of my ambition in the literary way, of my wish for a name in the world, all which she will second. She really is very good and surely fond and proud of me. Talked of my fancy for Miss Brown. Told her I had gone to the lectures for no other purpose than to see her. She said she knew very well that I should like Miss Brown better than Tib or M if I durst. No, that, I said, is a different thing. <laughs> Excuse me. If I had M with me, I should probably not have known Miss Brown at all, though I should have and felt and said I admired her notwithstanding. So Aunt Anne, knowing everything like she generally knows, and Aunt Lister being like, what? 
I don't know what you're talking about. But then also lamenting this idea, like if I had Mariana, if I actually had her, like in a real way, in some sort of committed way that goes beyond words we've said, then maybe I wouldn't be fucking around. And so inveigles, to use an analyst word, with Miss Brown and the potential of getting to those petticoats. I mean, she's just she's just looking for her happy ending. That's all she's she wants. She she was close. She was. And then at the end of the month, it's funny because Anne just sort of laments the fact that she can't get pretty girls out her damn head. She's like, God, why do I have to be so gay? It's super annoying. And she writes on March 27th, in the afternoon at 3.40, down the old bank to the library, no Miss Brown. I could have said, changing only the gender, parentheses, as Gibbons wrote to Daverdon, volume one, 604 slash 703. And she writes in French, the quote, are you dead? Are you ill? Have you changed your mind? Have any difficulties arisen? I wish to see her for, as Gibbon afterwards observed, such is our imperfect nature that dissipation is a far more efficacious remedy than reflection. My mind dwelt on M. It struck me. If we should not meet for years, and then when she expected our being together, it should be disappointed with her looks, etc. <laughs> Seeing her grow old in the service of another, could I then cordially wish to realize the scheme of early days? If I should, by and by, meet with anyone who would quite suit me, could I refuse and still lose a substance to expect a shadow? So multifaceted there. She's like, what if Mariana is all... <laughs> I mean, I will say that's the patriarchal stance to take because a woman can't be used up. Maybe her heart, maybe her patience, right, maybe right. her mentals, but the body thing is a myth. And Lester. But they go through some talk, which I'm sure we'll get to, which we kind of discussed a little bit in a group of confession. And Lister and Mariana perception of like the hymen and what happens with it and how they clown Charles on that. But I don't think the science supports them clowning Charles. <laughs> it just supports Mariana having a specific type of body and hymen. I'm just, yeah, I'm in like mid head shake here with these uh these ponderings like uh. <laughs> essentially in 1819 Anne lister is getting reports from mariana's sisters that she is growing happier in her marriage and everything's settling in and she's finding her place over here in Cheshire. But the letters that Anne gets from Mariana give off a different vibe. So one could wonder if that's deliberate or obviously Mariana could be playing a game of perception with everybody where she's at. So who really knows how much truth and how much lies were in either of those presentations to her sisters or to Anne Lister. But Isabella visits Anne Lister on Thursday, June 24th in 1819. And of course, Mariana gets jealous and and well, as usual, and Lister mistakenly, in my opinion, interprets that as love versus, I don't know if you're going to guess what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say possessiveness and not the cute way, not the cute possessiveness. It's possessiveness is barely cute. It can sometimes be cute. Maybe, maybe slightly in a hue, but generally possessiveness is a, is a red flag a little bit for humans. I mean, it's, it's right. Like you see toddlers with the toy and you hit the word mine. <laughs> And you're like, whoa, that's, oh my God. that's uncalled for. Like, you weren't even it's playing mine. with that. Like, you over here with your other toy, but now you're seeing someone pick up the toy. You know what it just reminded me of? I have a, a little cousin that I used to babysit, and they used to call their pacifier mine. So just like, give me mine. Give me mine. But you made me think of that. Like, Mariana just with her hand, like, give me mine. Mm -hmm. It's mine? Mm -hmm. That's mine. Can I have it? Thank you. 
So on the 27th of June, three days after Isabella has visited Anne, Anne talks about how she gets an unhinged letter from Mariana. That's what she writes in her journals. Quote, on Sunday the 27th, a letter from M. She could not write on Thursday. And in code, she has unhinged by a letter telling her Isabel was to be here on that day. Cannot bear the thought of her being here. This looks like jealousy. And it's if she loved me. And it's like, girl, that's a, what is, just that's say if. You, well, that's what she's saying. She's like, this looks like jealousy. And if it is jealousy, she loves me, obviously. But I mean, there's different ways to. There's know, different ways. Yeah, there's different ex- ways. Express love. It's not just. With I them. agree. I agree. I'm with you. On July 10th of this year is when we mentioned, or I mentioned this to you before that when they sort of talk about potentially living together and Isabella's like, oh, well, my sister is probably going to be with me for life. And Anne's like, oh, no, no, no. Chill, chill, chill. What you mean? Two women in the house. I can't. <laughs> and so <laughs> this is from July 10th on Saturday. And she writes, conversation with Isabella. If Charlotte does not marry, she must live with Tib, whether Tib ever has Langton or not. Then I could have no authority in Tib's house, nor therefore she in mine. But if she had not Langton, then she can live with me if I will take care of Charlotte too. But said she, when I hinted this would not do, we might always be together. You visit me in six months and I visit you the same. So that's Tib being like, but... Okay, so maybe I could just have you half the year. Oh, Tib! Anne continues to write, When I hesitated, she said, Well, but I can visit you six months, and the other six, you can get somebody else. I said little, but that I must have someone who had the same authority in my house as a wife would have in her husband's house. When I hinted that I could not have Charlotte, she said, I cannot forsake my sister. Surely you would not wish it. Surely not, I said immediately. So there's that. And I mean, I get Tib. Don't forsake your fucking sister. Don't do that. But Anne is just like, two women is too much. I can't handle it. Right. I can't deal with it. I will not have the authority that I need. So forget it. I mean, she's looking to find a way to make it work. But I mean, if it don't work, it don't work. I mean, Tib is. Tib is. I don't know no. that Anne is. Anne is so picky. On July 27th, basically Anne finds out that Miss Brown is going to get engaged. For real, for real. It's really happening. It's all done. And she's like, well, goddamn, another one bites the dust. Wow, wow. And... Even though that's happening at the end of July, still in August, on the 1st, we have Anne mentioning Tib and her interest in seeing Miss Brown. Because she's like, obviously, she's a knockout. Obviously, she's gorgeous as fuck. What are you talking about? I would like to see this girl. Who is this girl? And what's... <laughs> Tib is the kind of peer pressure that I mean, I'm interested in. That's well, all I'm saying. I was going to say, this is this doesn't sound like it's leading to a good idea or a good hijinks. I feel like this is oncoming hijinks. She writes about it. I'll just read the last couple sentences. She goes, Now I know she is positively engaged. I begin to care and think less about her. Nor would I have gone last night, but for Isabella's impatience to have me fix a day for her going to the library. So anxious is Tib to see her. We were talking of her just after we came up to bed, and Tib wanted me to take the first opportunity of giving her a kiss to see how she liked it and how she behaved on the occasion. I laughed and said, If anything particular happens, Tib, you will be more to blame than I. Right. See, so she's like, listen, she's like, don't tempt me. And then uh, Isabella's like, I dare you. (laughs) (laughs) She's like, do it. I double dog dare you. Right. (laughs) And then it's like five days after that, that Tib actually gets her eyes on Miss Brown. She's like, okay. I see what you're working with. I see what you're working with. (laughs) And Ann Lister writes about it. Tib did not say much to her. She looked too like a gentlewoman for Tib to launch out all at once. Tib admires Miss Brown, meant to have made a good story of all we said, etc. But she, Miss Brown, was so like a gentlewoman, she could not. (laughs) Okay. So it's like, as as vulgar as she is prone to be, she's 
<laughs> as much as she likes to sail with mm-hmm. the with the sailors, yes. but in front of Miss Tib, in front of Miss Brown, she's um, she's found her. She's found her madness. Anna's a, fucking, <laughs> Anna's a slow mover. She's a slow mover. Like, people think she's a fast mover. I'm like, she's a slow mover. Because this is her being Tib on the 5th of August. And it takes till the 26th of August for them to plan this gay sleuth of a kiss. Like, let's go. We're going to try to find a way to kiss Miss Brown to try to figure out whether she's into potentially the grubbles and kissing other women. This is over here like the parent trap, but not really. It is. <laughs> it's the queer trap. They try to trap Miss Brown to be like, girl, release the queer. Let us say it. Oh. You know, like um, uh, American Tale. Well, we sequence women. women. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so she writes on the 26th of August. Miss Brown and I walked leisurely along and got to Shivden by five. Sat 10 minutes alone in the drawing room. Then my aunt came and afterwards, Isabella. Stayed with them, excused 10 minutes from my dinner, till Miss Inman and Miss Knights rapped at the door. Then dressed in half an hour and went to tea. Walked a turn or two in the garden, showed Isabella Prince, etc., and the evening went off pleasantly, I taking care to pay rather more attention to Miss Brown than other young ladies. Her brother and Mr. William Knight came for their sisters at eight. John Oates brought a small instrument to procure a light by the compression of air enclosed in a tube all pleased with it. Then they all went about 8.30. And then she writes in code, just before we came in from the garden, contrived to be a few minutes alone, only with Tib and Miss Brown. The former gave me a kiss and I made it an excuse to kiss Miss Brown on her lips, a very little, moistly. She looked shamefacedly. Were, a few minutes afterwards, us three in the hall. Miss Brown said kissing was an odd thing and people made queer remarks about it. These, said I, none of us understand. But I think she did not very much dislike it after all. Miss Brown looked very neat, pretty, and like a gentlewoman. They all thought so and could not do otherwise. Okay. Well, that that tells you that Miss Brown was undeniably a knockout. And oh, she was hot. <laughs> we know Miss Brown was hot. She was obviously hot like Eliza because Anne Lister was shooketh. She was like, I'm so done with this bitch. She's vulgar. She's into men. Obviously, obviously. Oh my God, but she is so gentle and womanly. And like, did you see the bonnet she was wearing? Oh my God. I have to know. I have to go to the path. She's going to be there. She's going to be there. I just have to sort of walk with her 10 minutes. That's fine. 10 minutes. I'll, I'll look, good. look, all you have to do is just tell her that it's it's just the thing to do when you're in Shibden Hall. So, <laughs> so the, it'll be the three of us. Reindeer games. Right. It'll be the three of us. And then you just... Kiss me ever so casually. Okay, do you and have then, any experiences like that? Like I don't, I don't even know what to call it. I just call it like wild the... things. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, are you talking about the movie with yeah, Denise that, Richards? Yeah, yeah. Oh shit. You know what's so fucked about that movie? Obviously, I wanted to see it because there was queer content, but it was also problematic in a sense. But then it also had film noir elements because the woman does win in the end. But how we got there, I was just like, I don't right. know if I like the route we're taking to this misandry, but. I was you like, did on reference wild things. I need to see this, but on principle, I uh, do not need to see this. Right. So it was just, right. it was, it was a lot. I'm sure Anne would have preferred a wild things, but we did not get there fully. Mm. Pouring some Madeira down on uh, Miss Brown. <laughs> Woo! Because that's what they do in wild things. I remember that because I saw it in the theater and I was like, I was not supposed to be of age, but I went anyway. And I was like, What is this? This is gay. <laughs> <laughs> This what? is gay. And then the brothers come to collect their sisters. And it's like, okay, so it's just the select few. It makes me feel bad for Ann Walker because she don't got no brothers left to give a goddamn about protecting her. Oh. I know. So that happens. And and Lister ultimately feels good about it, but still don't get a grubble. But at least you got a kiss. At least you got it. And I feel like that was in her spank bank for incurring a cross for some time. Oh, yeah. Tell the truth, Ann Lister. Oh, yeah. So... Of course, Ann Lister starts vibing back into her bullshit about Tib. And by the time we get to September, 
a full month after the kiss scenario with Miss Brown, we have Ann Lister spending a lot of time bitching about how lonely she is and to believing. So she's just not in a happy state. For instance, she wrote, Often as I have thought I should not be sorry when Tib went, I felt a sinking at my heart this afternoon as I thought how soon she would be gone and I left all alone, none to love, to turn to, or to speak to. All will be dreary and forlorn. Oh, that I had a fit companion to dote on, to beguile the tedious hours, but I must study and never think of love and all the sweet endearments of life. So it's sad because she don't want to be with Tib, really, but at the same time as Tib leaving where she was bitching another entry, she's like, oh, but... Once Tib leaves, I'll be alone again. I won't have a companion. I'll just be here by myself again. And that sucks. I get it. But at the same time, it's like, but ugh. I know. And so a month later from there, on October 30th, we get a letter from Mariana that is of note. Mariana writes saying that she's going to accompany her mother and sister as far as Manchester on their return to York. And she wants to meet Anne Lister because she wants to get a side of her. And Anne writes in code, if C is not with them, this is very well. But I am too forlorn in spirit and in wardrobe. Besides, my uncle and aunt would think it foolish. They would think of the money it would cost and they would not approve. I would do many things if I could, but at present I must be careful as I can and study only to improve myself in the hope of a possibility of making something by writing. I know not how it is. I feel low. My eyes filled with tears as I read M's letter. Indeed, I am generally low on hearing from her. There seems to be no real, or at least to me, satisfactory sympathy between us. We seem to have no mutual affairs and little mutual confidence. Is then this the person with whom I must hope to spend the evening of my days? I am very low. The tears gush as I write, but thank God I generally feel relief from thus unburdening my mind on paper. Oh, how my heart longs after a companion, and how I often wish for an establishment of my own. But I may then be too old to attach anyone in my life, shall have passed in that dreary solitude I so ill endure. No! I know, it's rough. It's damn. It's not nice. It's pretty sad. So this is Ann Lister writing her diaries, crying. She got a letter from Mariana. Mariana wants to see her. But every time she hears from Mariana, she's just reminded about what she doesn't have, what isn't happening in her life, how lonely she is, and questioning, like, what is it all for? Like, is this going to be me? Is this going to be my fucking life? And she's just not feeling very connected at all to Mariana, which makes sense. They're not talking often. They're not seeing each other. And for Ann Lister and Mariana, I feel like a very important language for the two of them was the sex language. It was a way for her to feel close to Mariana, intimacy, and evidently actual love, which says something about Mariana, but whatever, whatever. Not going to go there right now. Everybody's getting married, and I'm just here single and fine, and nobody wants to just stay. <sighs> no one wants to just stay and just be my companion. No one wants to be a, take a sacrament for me. I'm just, just everybody's delicious piece of dessert versus the entree. I'm the main course. Oh, God. So, you know, it's only a hop, skip, and a jump before Mariana enters the picture. I mean, it's technically longer than a hop, skip, and a jump, but not that long. It's like two weeks. And so on Thursday, November 18th of this year, 1819, Anne finally sees Mariana again in Manchester. And what had me upset about this entry is that you would think that if you've not seen your lover, your love, your supposed life partner for a long time, are you going to be insulting them or having critical things to say as soon as you get there? Is that what you do? Well, it depends on, I guess, the jaunt and the level of energy that you're having because you're just like, there's people who can carve the time out to be with the people that they're with. And have that time be devoted to only and all about them. But then there are others who seem to carry this muck in to the private 
encounters with people from mm-hmm, like outside mm-hmm. of it so i don't know if it was like she just had this giant argument with her husband before she left on this trip or like whatever it was she just was not centered she was not well and- well remember how we i think i mentioned in the first part of this nightcap that ann lister for a while in this time a little while had a short haircut and I've seen some people posting things about ideas in various places where they discuss Ann Lister to be like, this is probably what her hair looked like. like that's why I said it. I believe I said it reminded me of a curly, a corporate lesbian haircut, a pixie oh, type of thing yeah. happening. So here is uh, something that has happened. So she's there and she's in Manchester and she's going to see Mariana. And this is some of what is said i'll just start from this part of the entry went out at 3 30 and made a 45 minute hour circuit on coming in went upstairs into mrs belcombe's room and presently though it seemed an age came m and the rest they passed the mosley arms as the defiance was at the door but somehow missed me in getting out never dreamt of my not going immediately to the albion and quite gave me up m sadly disappointed she met me affectionately enough and seemed rather nervous Dinner was ready, and taking off my hat and front, the firelight did not let M see my hair was in paper. She thought it cut close to my head and started back, saying I was not fit to be seen. She's, mm-hmm. She could not make it look decent. I said Anne could and sent for her, Anne Belcombe, her sister. I was before, when I saw M nervous, beginning to be a little pathetic. But this little incident cured me. I laughed it off, said M's horror had done me a great deal of good, put on a neat waist, and went down grinning and looking the neatest of the party. So I don't know how uh, Mariana's old school insults, like just the fact that she just be shady like this all the time. It's like, oh, I was nervous to be around you again, Mariana, because it's been a minute. But you making fun of my hair and that way that you do. Oh, I'm back to normal. It's fine. She continues, not much conversation before getting into bed. C made no objection to her coming to Manchester when he heard she was to meet me, though before he did not wish her to go farther than Wimslow. He hurried them off before seven in the morning that she might have more time to be with me, and on this account would give her till eight o'clock to be at home tomorrow. Asked how often they were connected, and guessing found might be at the rate of about 20 times a year. Got into bed. She seemed to want to kiss. It was more than I did. The tears rushed to my eyes. I felt I know not what, and she perceived that I was much agitated. She bade me not, or she should begin too. I knew not how she should suffer. She guessed not what passed within me. They were not tears of adoration. I felt that she was another man's wife. I shuddered at the thought and at the conviction that no sophistry could gloss over the criminality of our connection. It seemed not that the like had occurred to her, parentheses. I said just before we got up, well, come whatever C has done to me. I am even with him. However, he little thinks what we have been about. What would he do if he knew? Do? He would divorce me. Yes, said I. It would be a sad business for us both. But we are even with him at any rate. Indeed, said M, laughing. Indeed we are. Showed no sign of scruples. <laughs> oh, God. Lord. What is M's match but legal prostitution, she continues. And alas, what is her connection with me? Has she more passion than refinement? More plausibility than virtue? Give me a little romance. It is the greatest purifier of our affections and often an excellent guard against libertinism. From the kiss she gave me, it seemed as if she loved me as fondly as ever. So I don't know how much you've grabbed from this, but several bombs have been dropped thus far by Ann Lister. That should make sense for, well, did you pick up why she, I'll say that, did you pick up why she probably started crying and getting upset? I feel like I've only gotten one other moment when she's been in that sort of environment and situation. And 
they were tears flowing, but I mean, this doesn't seem like it's a final goodbye type of scenario. No, it's not. It's about it's about the topic of conversation. So she very distinctly asked Mariana how often are they connected. That means fucking. How often is Mariana trying to get an heir? And so she says she estimated probably from what Mariana was saying about 20 times a year. So that means at least that's, that's two a times a month or less. I mean, it's not for a healthy sex life, but it's a lot for anyone who doesn't want to be sitting oh, on a wrinkly dick. It, it's it's probably all happening. It's bad. Because, yeah. Don't. Don't. Tin roof. <laughs> Rusted. I mean, so it's, but I mean, hey. So, so I think that started it off because who wants to imagine or think of their the person they're in love with fucking someone else alone, a dude, if you're in Lister. And that's when they have the banter, like, what do you think he would do if you find out? If he finds out, would you divorce me? Of course you would divorce me. Da, da, da. And Anne is starting to feel her, like, her pride and her morality rise up in her because she's like, this is fucked up. You're actually married and you're cheating. And yeah, I don't fucking like Charles, but this is actually fucked up. And I'm not feeling good about where our relationship is headed because it's not rooted in goodness in the sense that it's not honest. It's not a real commitment of any kind. And so what are we doing? Asking the real questions. That's what I'm saying. And so when she starts that part where she's like, from the kiss she gave me, it seemed as if she loved me as fondly as ever. It goes back to what I've been saying about Ann Lister because I'm like, girl, this is a conflation. This is a confusion. You can have excellent sex with somebody. And that does not mean that they love you, that they will go to the ends of the earth. They might. They Hopefully they do. Hopefully. And they should. Yet, I feel like we know this. I feel like this is like there are some skills that can be separated from the emotional thing. And sex is one of those skills. Now, granted, there are people who do not generally enjoy sex with people they are not intimately involved with. And that's totally cool. But there's other people who can (laughs) grubble without emotional ties. And it's sad for me, but I think it's also something that happens when you're Ann Lister. You have limited ways to express your queerness and be queer in general, that this is one of the ways that you think love is expressed. Because it is. Love is expressed through sex. But how she consistently gets a grubble from Mariana and and after that she's like, oh, the way that fuck just went down? Obviously she loves me. Obviously. And it's like, that's not... That's not how love works. I mean, it... Not completely. And so she writes that. And then she's like, by and by, we seem to drop asleep. But by and by, I perceived she would like another kiss. And she whispered, come again a bit, Freddie. <laughs> Woo! Mariana! Okay, Mariana, I see you, bitch. She's just, I see you. She's trying I to do. even out the odds. I do. I mean. she not even, she's doing what she do. She's pulling what's in the Mariana purse. And Mariana has skills. Mariana is obviously one of these people. Because what is this? This is the 19th century, Terrence. Come again a bit, Freddie. What? Okay, Mariana. Well, I'm not mad at it. At this point in time, do I'm you, really not. Do you think um, she did one of those uh, Carnella Deer headbutts? Like, no, I think she, the headbutt was because she had to work for it. I think, I think just her speaking would fuck Ann Lister up. Oh, she had it like that, like that. I think so. But here writes Anne, for a little while I pretended sleep. In fact, it was inconvenient. <laughs> Yo, she was there trying to play fucking coy like I am asleep. Like she on that Barlow shit. But she's like, it was inconvenient for me because I was stressed out because I was actually like, oh, she whispered in my ear the way she do. Oh, no. Let me. It's hard to pretend you're asleep right now because my leg is starting to do a little tremble. And I don't know if she could tell. And then after she writes, it was inconvenient. She continues. But soon I got up a second time again, took off, went to her a second time. And in spite of all, she really gave me pleasure. And I told her no one had ever given me kisses like hers. So here's Ann Lister in 1890, whole year 
whole fucking year, I, we have just gone through the entries, which is why I bothered to go through them. It's because at the beginning of the year, she is into Tib and she is preoccupied with Miss Brown. Right. And this whole time she's like, yeah, 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 this could work. This could work. Obviously, because look at Mariana. I'm alone. I'm lonely. Where's Mariana? What's up with these letters? She sees Mariana. One session in the bedroom. And Mariana, come again, Freddie, please. And she's like, oh, wow. Clearly we're in love. Clearly we're destined to be together forever. And she loves me more than anyone else. I guess you could call that love or you could call it convenient. <laughs> I'm not going to say that Mariana doesn't love Anne. Oh, oh. It's a question of what what is love? What aspects of love that people can give are toxic or not. I'm simply saying there is a massive conflation happening for Ann Lister that she is correlating her direct sexual experiences with Mariana to the barometer that she uses for love, for an expression of love, which is what continues to fuck her up because those two don't match. And we in the modern age, I hope there's enough people who talk about it, know that you can have really great sex with someone that is not the person you're supposed to potentially be with, with the rest of your life so this is what i'm this is the interesting well, thing i'm finding right here. but the problem is everyone wants to be with their sexual fantasy and not the love of their life well I mean, sometimes they can be too like in the they can right like they could be intersect. one the same right yeah but i mean she's like oh maybe i can make things work for tib nope no no i can't no these things rough start is it tib's fault that rough she was dry as a stick or was it ann's fault no i'm scared well i mean I'm kidding she said tib was allegedly into the passion but i'm like maybe her emotions weren't because unless she has something going on with her nethers that was medical that means her emotions were not there that she actually wasn't raring to go and and maybe your sense of perception was awful to happening with tib because facts are fact science is science if a woman right. is into the thing there will be signs if she's not there will also be signs right so, no i stand by that yeah yeah and so tib actually comes up in this entry after she's like no one's ever given me kisses like hers i'm like oh girls she continues to be talked over different circumstances i she said i had every comfort at home and elsewhere alluding to sarah bins and so i can't remember if i mentioned sarah bins to you Maybe it was on a group of confessions, but Sarah Benz was essentially a fictitious person that Ann Lister made up and pretended to be having a sexual affair with. Mm. This girl, according to Ann Lister, was of working class origin <laughs> and served Ann's fantasy of keeping a mistress. In 1816, in a letter that she wrote to Mariana's sister, she wrote, quote, I was led into hinting at Sarah Benz, the feigned name of a girl to whom Mariana believes and has believed for the last two years, me to pay 30 pounds a year. So here she's so desperate to keep Mariana like feeling something that she invented a whole girl, a lower class girl, because she's like, well, you know, I can do whatever I want to a lower class girl. I, can, I couldn't do it to a lady, but to a bad woman. Throw on my knee real quick to have no shame about the knee. That's her. That's. That's rather it, interesting. I mean, well, yeah, she did that. So she's talking to Mariana now. And Mariana's saying to her, well, you got everything, don't you, right? Don't you got it? Don't you got it? Including Sarah Benz? Aren't you good? <laughs> uh, and she continues, she had not. I said it was dull work. Mentioned Tibbs being fond of me as ever and the deceitful game I was now obliged to play. As, of course, I could say nothing of my engagement to her, i.e. Mariana. Indeed, said I, is there or can there be any engagement at present? Was not every obligation on my part canceled by your marriage? Oop. Oh. That's all I've been trying to say throughout the entire review <laughs> of why you brought that. That's all I've been trying to say. I know. 
And continues, she acknowledged that it was. <laughs> I said, Tib had told me of this, that I had never thought of it till she reminded me that whatever might formally be the case, I was quite at liberty from any tie to M now. She seemed pleased to hear me say that, though Tib seemed fully to expect living with me, yet at all events that would not be, for I neither did nor could feel anything like love towards her. Speaking of my being at liberty, well, but, said she, you might make another promise now. Oh, no, said I. I cannot now. I said Tib would really willingly marry me in disguise at the altar, but I said a promise made anywhere would be equally binding to me, and I would not make one. Mm. So here's Mariana concerned about Tib's proximity to something in a commitment, and, well, Tib was never really competition for Mariana, so there's that. So we, these, yeah. We starting to get to those entries, I just, I, obviously no, no, you can no. tell. Obviously you can this tell. This is right. This is the direct course this is the correct course of of action so we're we're we're, we're ch we've charted this course this is oh yes that's that's just, that's what it is so that was in november of 1819 so we jump into 1820 because we need to get to more of the drama oh wow is that the end of part one? Oh, that was that one that's part three it's part three <laughs> i keep saying part one because it's part one of the timeline but ultimately part three of this ridiculous um, release that we're rolling out so cool hope you guys enjoyed it did you enjoy yourself Torrance? I am learning so much. All right, guys. So, um, you know, just to keep the party going, Rona and all, uh, just let this play. Let this play, and it will continue to play. And part four will be up next. Bye.